you're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome. You're listening to I Might Be Wrong. I'm Rich. I'm Henry. Hello, Rich. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, I'm well, thanks. We had thunderstorms yesterday. Yeah. That was exciting. It's all cooled down a little bit after last week's ridiculous heat wave, which I don't want to complain about because it was gloriously sunny, but it was just one of those things, wasn't it, where we had like, it's winter, it's winter, it's winter, it's summer! It's too hot! Yeah. And the Olympics have kicked off, so there's all sorts of fun going on. Yeah, presumably you are getting all into the the bikes at the Olympics. Yes, there's the mountain biking on Monday morning, so... Strangely, I'll be rushing to my desk at work at seven o'clock in the morning and starting work early, which is about a, it's a very, very rare occurrence, but um, that'll allow me to get the cycling up on screen as well. So fun times. Nice. And more fun times because we get to chat about an album. This is an interesting one for me because this is an artist that you've talked about wanting to do an episode on for a little while now, but you sent me the album link and it was not what I was expecting you to send. Yeah, so I should probably introduce artist and album. I've picked Enya Brennan, well known as Enya, mm-hmm. and the album Dark Sky Island from 2015. Right, and I was thinking you would pick a much earlier album because she's been going for quite some time and her, her most famous work is from the mid-90s, I guess. Yeah, she's been going since the 80s. Mm. So she's been going a proper long time and... I originally started going through those albums as well and thought, you know what, this album actually stands up to those for a load of reasons that I'll go into later. But yeah, I think Enya deserves a mention. Absolutely. One thing we should get off our mutual chest to start this is that you and I have a bit of an issue with people lazily dismissing things as easy listening. And you have picked the artist who is probably the most quintessential dismissed as easy listening artist of the lot Mm. even when she was first releasing music back in the late 80s early 90s she was considered new age kind of dumped him with those pan pipe mixtapes and (laughs) assumed to be this kind of background music for massages and all of that stuff right and that's pretty unfair isn't it well to, to me it is. I don't think that's right. I don't think that she should be anywhere close to that type of music. I mean, I'll go into influences in a second when we start talking about the album, but she's much bigger than that. She's much more prolific, much more inventive, which is, I'm going to say that word, even though people are like, but it's just Enya doing the same thing. But we'll come on to that. I, I think she is more inventive than a lot of artists. I'm just a huge fan and I always have been. So there's a bit of a a resurgence in patting in you on the back right now, actually, in the last couple of years, which I only noticed because I thought I'd dig into it. But before, she was a bit of a, not a comedy act, but dismissed. She was definitely the butt of a lot of music critics' jokes for a long, long time. But there may be a a listener somewhere that doesn't know who we're talking about. So describe Enya's sound for us. How would you describe this sound? Uh, Well, I guess it's very ethereal there's synths everywhere there's vocals that are layered with reverb all over the place it's very chill out kind of not quite the word is it as soon as i start saying new age people will go oh it's this all this kind of weird folk rubbish but it's heavily influenced by by gaelic music by 
folk music as well. So she started in a folk band called Clanad with the rest of her family when she was uh, in her teenage years. And it's kind of skewed off to one side. So she was in this band called Clanad and the producer for them wanted or thought that he could try and create a sound a bit like we talk about Phil Spector's Wall of Sound. Mm -hmm. He wanted to do a similar thing with her and her music. So he said, come along with us and we'll we'll help you out. So she split away from the, the band that she was in and went down this road with this guy called Nicky Ryan, who, was, who still is her manager and arranger and producer, and Roma Ryan, who's her lyricist. So it's actually a, th- a three-piece. It's not really just Enya. She does the plays the keys and she sings, but there's three of them. And they create this... Um, well, it's so distinctive. I mean, you, you will spot an your track from a mile off and yes. most people will probably hear that. Yes, and that's one thing that we really have to call out is that while she is dismissed for those elements of her sound, she's so distinctive for those elements of her sound. There's almost no one out there that sounds even close to what she sounds like. Funny, isn't it? You'd think that with the success that she's had, that she would get some some real copycats, but there aren't really. I go back to 1996 when her track was sampled by the Fugees, mm-hmm. which was all over the radio in the 90s. And then again, P. Diddy sampled her stuff. Rihanna sampled one by one. So people have, have grabbed this music quite a lot. But when you hear the sample in their songs, it's definitely Enya that they've sampled. It's not like they've just created a piece of music. Yeah. And it's gone on to the point of parody where you've got South Park taking the piss out of Enya because she's I think the episode had one of the South Park crew being locked up and played Enya saying it was awful but also really soothing and um, <laughs> so it's gone into kind of mainstream culture yeah and Orinoco Flow is the, the track that everyone will have heard at some point because it's been used on so so many different things that's not on, it's nowhere near the album that we're going to talk about it was on Watermark which is one of her first but it rocketed her to fame she, she was asked by warner music to to record some stuff and so she said all right i'll i'll come and do some albums for you but the deal is i only do an album every three years which must have slightly bug-eyed the producers but they said all right well we'll go with that and she wrote this this album with orinoco flow being the i guess the the, the standout track but the more i read about this song i'm actually a bit i love the lyrics now I don't know if you've, if you listen to the lyrics in your speakers, uh, she talks about Babylon and Khartoum and Bali and Fiji and all these places, but she also sound checks the chairman of Warner Music and her sound man in that song. Did you know that? I did not know that. So the lyric is, we can steer, we can near with Rob Dickens at the wheel. We can sigh, say goodbye, Ross and his dependencies. So... Rob Dickens, chairman of Warner Music, Ross Cullum, their sound engineer, <laughs> Orinoco is the name of the studio they recorded it all in. So this whole song, even though you're thinking about all this ethereal stuff, actually is just her basically name-checking and giving high fives to all of the people she's recorded with and said, oh yeah, we recorded it in this sound studio, which I, I just thought was super cool. That's weirdly hip-hop-esque. It is, isn't it? it it's, <laughs> it's so cool. And... Um, I, I, yeah, I fell off my chair when I read that. I genuinely no idea. I don't think I've ever really listened to the lyrics in this other than the obvious sail away, sail away yeah. bit. Because like you say, it's all that layering means that it's it's almost just an instrument. Yeah. 
her voice in amongst all the other instruments. And I mean, one thing I love about this song is it is really quite weirdly upbeat to the level of almost, it's not, you can't quite dance to it, but one of my favourite all-time mashups is Prodigy Smack My Bitch Up mixed with this. And I don't know whether you've heard it, (laughs) but it is absolutely fantastic it works perfectly i doubt i can find it on spotify to put it on the playlist but if you go on youtube there are versions of it on there you just look for enya versus prodigy you'll you'll find it yeah i'm not one for making really definitive lists we've gone through this a few times (laughs) i always keep my cards to my chest if someone said give me your top 10 albums of all time but orinoco flow would be in my top 10 songs of all time yeah it's it's just so distinctive isn't it and again, we go back to the whole, it's, it sounds exactly like Enya and everything she does sounds like Enya. There's this weird, like you say, it's folksy and the basis of her music is that Celtic folk thing. But the synths and the way that they layer everything in almost pushes it to the, the edge of being overproduced, but it never goes into that territory or at least the stuff i've listened to the bigger albums never quite strays over that line even though i'm sure they've been accused of it a lot well and this is where i think nikki ryan and roma ryan have to take an absolute ton of credit because they basically started working with her and they spent basically their life savings to build a studio in their back garden which is still the studio she uses and they've created this kind of little I guess a little bubble for her. So people talk about Enya and, you know, in the press and she's living in her castle in Ireland. That's just where she lives. And she's, you know, always on her own. She's never married, never had kids. And so that's part of the kind of mystique, I guess, around her. But the recording happens in this one studio and it's the same guy and the same lyrics from Roma Ryan. And that kind of gives you this sound that the three of them know exactly what they need to do. It's not like there's a new producer that wants to try this hot new sound. It's just, no, no, we, we know exactly what we're doing. Just just leave us to it every three years and we'll we'll create some something cool. Yeah, I read that about the, the fact they basically gambled their life savings on her moving in and then spent four years developing the sounds to get it to where they wanted it to be before they actually released anything. Insane, isn't it? I mean, there's detail in here which is kind of mind-blowing so Angelis from Shepherd Moons one of her earlier records that has over 500 vocal tracks led on it what in one go like 500 that you'd think you, when you <laughs> get to about insane. 30 like come on about 30 30 voices in that's probably enough but they stuck 500 on it just to make it massive that's the kind of level that they're operating at and that's the kind of thing where being given I mean even from a record company perspective the risk of saying okay, we'll allow you to take up to three years to to record a new album. Particularly in the 90s and early thousands, most bands would have been dumped after 18 months if they didn't have something ready to go. Yeah, and I think the reason that she wasn't was because she's influenced so many people and she's caught the ear of so many people. So she was offered to score Titanic, massive movie in the 90s. Mm -hmm. She said no. Go and have a listen to the, the music for Titanic. It sounds a lot like Enya. And I think basically they wanted that kind of sound. She didn't want to do it. And so they've tried to recreate it a little bit. I mean, the the theme tune is pretty close to her style. Yeah, I could hear that. But off the back of that, I mean, obviously Lord of the Rings, may it be 
which she recorded, it fits totally in with her musical style of, and the kind of Tolkien style, I guess, of slightly otherworldly, Celtic-influenced fantasy, which is where you get all of the crazy crystal-loving people jumping in on the on the back of it and getting excited about Enya. <laughs> all right, we've talked around some of the maybe slightly older bits. This album, Dark Sky Island, is from 2015. So what? Wh- why this one? What's what's on here? <laughs> yes. let's, let's dive in. Uh, so I really I, I love her earlier stuff. And I started going through the a- albums to try and find the album which had my favourite set of songs on. But I kept on finding individual songs on other albums. So things like Caribbean Blue on Shepherd Moons is a, an absolute stunner of a song. Mm-hmm. There's an album called A Day Without Rain, which has got a song called Wild Child on. That's a great song too. But all these albums kind of never really caught my ear. But when this came out, I listened to the album all the way through and it felt like it was a really, a really well thought out, really Enya type album. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't too long and it wasn't too short. And, you know, it's only 44 minutes long. Some of her earlier albums are quite a lot longer. And I just... I just thought it really captures her style, but also it shows a progression. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more, I'm not going to say poppy. It is poppy, almost. Some of the songs are a little bit more aimed at the mainstream rather than being very kind of new agey and just lots of humming. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't really listened to this at all until you said this was what you wanted to do, which was which was yesterday. So I've had probably two or three listens to this album in total. One thing that struck me is they've stripped the production back a little bit. So it's not quite as over-the-top, massively layered. It's It's got a little bit more focus to it than maybe some of the stuff in the kind of late 90s, early 1000s. Yeah, focus is the word. I think that's why I really picked it as an album to stand out. It is focused. And there are tracks in there that are a little bit more interesting. She plays with it a few different styles rather than having this kind of music that kind of washes over you on her previous albums. By the way, the album title is a favourite of mine, Dark Sky Island. It's named after Sark, one of the Channel Islands, um, when it was designated one of those dark sky places where there's no light pollution. It was one of the first places in the UK to get that tick in the box. I've been to Sark. It's a fucking cool place. There's no cars, so there are tractors to move stuff around, but... You get around by bicycle or you walk. And it's this tiny little place where you can camp. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful place. So the fact that she's singing about this little island, which I've been to, kind of stuck in my head a bit. I like that. I I had no idea that that was the the reason for the title. One of the things I did read about this, purely out of interest, I went to see what Pitchfork thought of it. And actually, they weren't as hateful as I thought they were going to be. They gave it sort of above average 7.1 without going too crazy about it. Interesting. One one of the things they note is the fact that the lyricist, Roma Ryan, actually invented a language called Loxian that she writes some of the lyrics in, which adds to this whole slightly bonkers setup that people kind of think of when they think of Enya. Yeah, it's what Sigur Rose did, notice the pronunciation, with their Hopelandic. (laughs) Yes, I got both of those right. (laughs) And they do, do the same thing. And I... I think that's fine. I, I've got nothing against an artist creating something like that. She's sung in about nine different languages. I think she's sung in Latin, Gaelic, Irish, Japanese. She's gone all over the place with her singing. She grew up 
speaking Gaelic. Yeah. Right. But I also think it does add to that idea of Enya's vocals being another instrument layered in, because if you're singing in a made-up language, you're not singing a vocal that you're expecting to do any more than move someone through its sound. Yeah. And actually, now that you mention it, the the penultimate track on the album is a song called The Loxian Gate. This is one of her standout pieces of music. It's brilliant. This is written in Loxian. It's all about some kind of intergalactic Gaelic people coming home to their destiny and all of that rubbish. But to be honest, it's great. It's a wonderful piece of music. And you can see the inspirations from, I guess, her Irish roots. But it's got this pace. It's got the incredible harmonies. I'm a massive fan of it. So... You say that's one of her best pieces of music. There's presumably other pieces on here that you are a big fan of. Where should people go to on this album? What what tracks should they dive into? Other than the Loxian Gate, I would I would pick three more just to have a listen to if you type for time. The Humming is the opening track and it's got this wonderful set of keys and vocals and you kind of know that you're in a safe place when you hear an opening song to an album like that and it's it's classic Enya and you go, yeah, all right, this is another really, really good song. Kind of gets in your head a little bit and a great way to open an album. Yeah, that one did actually grab my attention. I, I enjoy the almost bassiness of the vocals in it. I don't know what it is. There's something in there that really appeals. I couldn't work out what that is as well. There is this kind of bass thing, but it's just, I don't know if it's just layers and layers of synths or something like that that they've just built up because they don't use drums mm-hmm. none of her tracks have drums it's an orchestra sometimes or a, or maybe it is drums but they're almost led to just a wall of sound as we said with phil Spector. there is a drum in here that sounds like more of a like you say it's orchestral percussion rather than a classic drummer type deal yeah there's no snare and breakbeat floating around in there is there? <laughs> but yeah on from that I mean, there's a wonderful kind of almost ornate pop song, even in the shadows, which is call and response type song that just builds up in your head. And then finally, I want to call out Sancta Maria, which is a, a song that is obviously Enya, but it's a little bit different to her normal style. It's a bit more kind of like chamber music in a way. It's a little bit, a little bit off to one side of what she'd normally do, but it's just another example of how she can she can create a wonderful melody put it into a song and um, your ears just open up to it. It's great. I'm just trying to think. We've mentioned stuff from other albums. Is there anything you haven't mentioned that you, you'd want me to put on the playlist? There's another one from A Day Without Rain called Flora Secret. And I'm calling that out because that was the first song I listened to after my first night out of university. And I've got no idea why that's relevant or interesting, but it's stuck <laughs> in my mind. It's a cracking tune, so definitely worth listening to so that's kind of Enya really and some music reviewers you read some of the reviews of her stuff and they say oh well she's just doing the same thing over and over again for 20 years but I don't know in my head it's a little bit like getting pissed off because the same beautiful rose grows in your garden every year and it's like ah that's just the same (laughs) bloody rose and it's the same smell and it looks the same it's like it's a beautiful rose and that's how I see her music I just I really like it and there's a definite place for it in my list of music. Yeah, I think there's an element there of because she's such a singular distinctive style of sound and there's no one really all that close to her, at least in mainstream music. I wonder whether people that don't quite 
get really into it. If you listen to it occasionally or have only heard one Enya song because all you've listened to is Oronoko Flow, I wonder whether there's an element of, well, it just sounds like Enya, so it sounds like everything else she's done, but it's the same as if you'd never listened to any metal music and someone played you a metal track over and over and then eventually played you something else, you'd be like, it's the same, basically, (laughs) isn't it? But anyone who's listened to metal will understand that when you go into the depths of it, you find all these nuances. Even within bands and across bands, there's all these different variations. And it's the same with this, I think, is yes, on the surface, it sounds similar because she has a style. But I guess what you're saying is when you dig into the details, when you listen to something enough to really understand the music, then you start to feel those variations. Yeah, and she's got fans now. I mean, like Nicki Minaj is a fan, apparently. She talks about meeting Paul McCartney and... McCartney going, yeah, I totally know your music. It's awesome. And, you know, all these big names. And I think it's becoming more and more acceptable to enjoy her music. And I think that's almost a symptom of the way that now anyone's record collection is just diverse. We've we've mentioned this a few times where you don't just need to be a, a fan of one type of music anymore. Your bunch of goths sitting in the corner actually do like something else. Probably any year, actually. They, I, I, would, <laughs> I would hazard a guess that there are quite a few goths who would like that style of music for their chill-out sessions. Right. And and it annoys me that after years and years of the music media sort of sneering at Enya and people who like their music getting that reaction, you've seen it, right? You say you like Enya to someone and they sort of scoff at you (laughs) like you're a fucking idiot. And you, oh, I don't know that I trust your tastes anymore because you Mm. like Enya. But actually, that's bullshit. And it really annoys me when I see sorry pitchfork an article on pitchfork from last year saying it's time to take enya seriously fuck off stop being so patronizing i took enya seriously in the early 90s so there pitchfork (laughs) i'm way cooler than you right and who are they to tell us that finally it's okay to like her and and i will stop laughing at you for doing so Uh, we're being mean to pitchfork they they do love their music and i kind of get why they'd write an article like that it annoys me because I'm sure the person writing the article probably has liked Enya for years and years and years and is finally delighted that they can source cool acts that like Enya as well. But I'm sure there are also plenty of people at Pitchfork who have sneered at Enya over the years and won't change their minds. Yeah, I'm sure sure there are. But that's true of all of the music industry. That's not just Pitchfork. That is plenty of music media. Yeah, yeah. And there are people who will now sneer at Enya and completely maintain that she's weird new age rubbish and so whatever that's just someone's opinion right and I do think there's an element of if you listen to a handful of Enya songs and you don't get along with those if you've listened to the tracks that we've put on the track list and you don't like it probably never going to get into Enya no just not your thing no but it's a bit like um oh god who's the there's that stand-up comedian, this the Aussie guy, who kind of went off on one about Enya. Said, "How could you? How could you hate Enya? It's like hating a flower or a waterfall or a <laughs> something like that. It's just a beautiful creation. You can't just hate Enya. It's not possible." Yeah, I think she's been very easy to dismiss, and I'm glad that you have decided that we should stand up for her. So, has Enya influenced you into other things? No, I kind of did go off on a bit of a mission. I think when Oronoko Flow came out, I think I bought Pure Moods, or my parents bought Pure Moods, one of those kind of weird panpipey albums. <laughs> and 
there were a few songs on there that I quite enjoyed. I think the orb might have been on there actually. Oh, God, let me find out a second. Hang on. Oh yeah, yeah. So this pure music album had like Jean-Michel Jarre, Mike Oldfield, Judy the Bells, all this stuff. Enigma, Return mm-hmm. to Innocence. Uh, Tubular Bells is probably one of the closest things that you'd get to in terms of stylistically close to Enya. Yeah, agree. They had Enya Morricone. Some of his songs were on there. Enya Morricone of um, mm-hmm. The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, which is the greatest film score of all time. I won't hear anything said about it. The Good, The Bad and The Ugly's film score, which has to go on the playlist now, is the best piece of film music ever written. End of. You mean main theme? Main theme, yep. Go. Cool. Actually, well, not just main theme, actually. We can go off on one about his music, but the whole thing, all of it, the whole score. I'm not putting the whole film score onto (laughs) Enya's playlist. Put the main theme on. There'll be more of that than there will of Enya. Going back on point, uh, not really. I I, I had a a rummage around, I guess, that kind of area, but it's um, it's, it's really been her. And with your follow-up question of, have I seen her live? She doesn't do live stuff. She doesn't tour. She's talked about wanting to tour, but she's... She's done a few TV performances and she does actually travel a lot to promote her music. So she's not just holed up in her castle all the time, but she, I don't think, has ever done a big world tour. Which is odd. I'm I'm just thinking from a kind of the perspective of cynical music industry, you could do a tour of this stuff to places like the Royal Albert Hall and madison square gardens and all those kind of places and you would just be you'd be able to sell tickets for like 200 300 quid yeah. a pop and sell out probably a week of shows at the royal royal abbott hall i think you could i think a couple of hundred quid massive big screen with all sorts of weird folky shit going on in the background and <laughs> yeah loads of people that buy it. i'd probably buy a ticket Right, because you worry that it might be the only opportunity. It's potentially a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Well, okay, maybe I will spend a couple hundred quid on this. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I probably I probably have a look at tickets, but no, I've never seen a live. It's fair. I haven't either. But <laughs> I think the only way I would have done would have been if she'd been at Glastonbury or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, so anyway, that's my homage to Enya. I think she is a wonderful, special musician and her buddies Nikki and Roma the Ryans have done a great job in um, just creating this very individual style of music I I am with you on that I think it's it's time to take Enya seriously (laughs) yes yes (laughs) put that stick in the ground yeah cool well thanks for bringing her up I am gonna have to go and have a bit more of a listen to Enya over the next few days and and uh really get my head into some of her stuff because i probably haven't taken that much time to listen to her stuff over the years yeah do it light some scented candles and uh (laughs) put some crystals around you in a circle and you'll be um you'll be in a great place yeah i'm not going shopping for crystals (laughs) uh lovely to chat with you mate we will see all of you lot next week sounds good cheers all thank you for listening to another episode of i might be wrong All right, mate, it's, it's been a fun chat. We should let our listeners go off and have that poo or drink <laughs> coffee or whatever it is that they need to go and do. Yeah. <laughs> Just after all of that kind of beautiful folk and wonderful etherealness, we talk about that. Yes, yeah, Just course. brought me right down to earth. <laughs> cool.